Welcome to the Smarticle Podcast, where we take a good article and make it gooder. Faithful Fridays, Brandon, so do not use any of the words that we've pre-talked about in our pre-production meeting. We're going to take it down to a deeper level, let the Holy Spirit come in. Thank you very much. We like to turn to our good friends at the Center for Action and Contemplation, as we normally do on Fridays. You can find our good friends at the CAC. Org. Richard Warren, our good buddies out in New Mexico. They're doing a uh, study on the future of Christianity, which I believe we already took an episode from. And this one today from one of the uh, daily meditations from Roar is, in the end, a new beginning. We don't do the woke meter. So let me just read this quote. Our faith offers us a foundational belief that life is a succession of dyings and risings. At the center of the Eucharist, we proclaim Christ has died, Christ has risen, Christ will come again. This is the saving pattern. It's not a mystery of faith. It is the mystery of faith. It will never change. But Western people trained in the philosophy of progress and problem solving don't really believe that anymore. We much more believe that we can overcome the Paschal mystery, that we can recreate a family, a parish, a church, an institution, a country that will not have to go through the dying of things. It's not true. It's not true that everything is getting better and better. That fallacy is being taken away from us. But we can return to the pattern of our faith and pattern of reality. Things die, things resurrect, and both things are good teachers. Oh, Brandon, I know there's a lot of meat on the bone for you here. Uh, it's so funny that you picked the exact same quote I picked because that just was the meat of this. Yeah. I mean, this idea. Well, I love that. He says, he says, it is not a mystery of faith. It is the mystery of faith that this idea of Christ, Christ died, Christ will come again. I mean, it's just so good. I mean, this idea that there's a wheel and that it's going to happen and that our job is not to try to carve out our own little spot to make ourselves feel better about ourselves in the moment. Because, okay, so today's a perfect example. It's a beautiful day here in Nashville, North Carolina. Day's been going pretty well. Things are going, you know, good. Maple's homesick. She's got the flu. Family's suffering a little bit from the flu. But overall, it's this really pretty good day. It all could turn tomorrow and get crappy. Things could happen. People get laid off. Kids get sick. Whatever it is. And if you live your life only waiting for those good moments as opposed to learning from those other moments, you're missing the point. I love what he talks about the Pascal mystery, right? That it is it is the mystery of life. What does it all mean? And the article you referenced that we talked about last week in our Faith Friday, or God Talk Friday, if you will, was on Meta that we are moving into a new, in a sense, metaverse, that the world is shifting. And we're in this sort of throes of this shift in this transition. By the way, the same exact thing happened during the Reformation when the scientific revolution happened, where it was all of a sudden, it was like, throw out all religion, let's just focus on science. And now we're sort of moving back to, wait, maybe science can't answer all our questions. So we're being more aware of that. And and some people, like those good folks at the Center for Action and Contemplation, are, are asking these questions and pushing into this. I just wish more people would find them. So I think top three things that I've learned from Richard Rohr, which you referred me to, is that I used to think, and by the way, until I was in my 40s, that the world started with Adam and Eve. They're like, boom, Adam and Eve, blah, blah, blah. No, 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 no. God was the start of the universe, whenever that was. And then God made the earth and it, so that that's the true original beginning. 
right? There was a beginning and, and theoretically there'll be end. Just to break that a little bit more, Earth has been around for three to four billion years. Four times over the four billion years that Earth has been around, 70% of everything has gone extinct. And by the way, everything on Earth eventually will go extinct. There is a beginning and there is an end. And we're not at the beginning. We're at the somewhere in the middle of it. And I don't think we realize that as human beings. We thought, Adam and Eve, we're the start. No, no, no. We're not the start. Well, there at that quote that you gave, he says, that we can create a family, a parish, a church, an institution, a country that will not have to go through the dying of things. It's sort of this belief of many people. Roar goes on to say, it's not true. It's not true that everything's getting better and better. The fallacy is being taken away from us, but we can return to the pattern of our faith and the pattern of reality that things die and things resurrect and both are good teachers. Christ must be recognized and be welcomed in both places in dying and things and in the ecstasy and loveliness of things. The way down always teaches us we need time where the soul is broken and we need some places we can go and weep and mourn. And that is, if I've learned anything in my life, and you know we've, we've talked about so many things on this show, one thing that I have come around to in an absolute, when I, skip, when I peel away everything else, is that we do not do a good job of mourning loss. Uh, you and I have both lost really important people in our lives. Not just sort of like, oh, my Uncle Bill died, but he was 93, and well, that happens. I mean, we lost people that are close to us. My brother was 37 years old when he died. Your dad was a fairly young man when he died. I mean, it had a huge impact on both of our lives. Uh, my mom died relatively young. She was only two years older than me now when she died. And I think about these things, and so often I think that, especially with my mom, that no one said, hey, it's okay to grieve. Take some time to grieve this. When Corey's mom died, I remember just sort of going, come on, let's go. We got to move on. I didn't, I, I couldn't deal with her grief, you know, and, and her loss. And I wish that there was some way that we could train ourselves to be better mourners and to be better, better people to sit with people that mourn. Like Corey's mom dying didn't affect me the way it affected Corey, but it, but I am as Corey's partner, I need to do a better job of embracing her in that loss. And I, I just didn't know how to do it. And I'm sure I still do know how to do it. So I recently, I go to this funeral for a guy who was very sick and it was, there's probably a hundred people at this memorial service. And not one person in that service was like, we wish he could have kept going. Everybody kind of collectively all, it was like the first time I realized like, Oh, death has a reason there. We should, some people, do, their bodies just gave out and they got to go. That was certainly the case with my dad. It was sad. I was a young man. But death has a purpose. I think we fight against that purpose. And in this saying today, it's like all of it has a purpose. That's the other thing about Roar. Everything belongs. It's we, Americans want to fight against the idea of death. Other cultures, I think it's Tibetans, think about death every single day. And that's what makes their life better is that they think about it every day. Well, and the Buddhists believe in reincarnation, so it's a little bit of a different engagement with the idea of death. But even in the Christian understanding of death, if one thinks about, you know, there's this idea of I want to stay healthy so I can live longer, so yeah. I can be around on earth. And that's, yep. and some people will say, well, if, if you're just going to die, why would you even worry about it? Well, that's because it's about living in the very moment. This morning I was reading this meditation. It was talking about, it was for a sick day because my daughter's sick. So I was reading this prayer meditation around being sick. And it was saying, look, we can appreciate even being sick because it reminds us of when we're not sick 
to take advantage of every moment. He talks about mining the gold of those rivers that are in front of us. And I think that's the reason why we would want to stay healthy in our life if we can is to live every moment. That's, I sort of think, what this is all about. It's not just, we even live every moment within death and mourning. That's a moment. That's a real thing. And most people just don't want to deal with it because it's too hard because they've never disciplined themselves. They've never had anybody to discipline them, to teach them how to mourn effectively, how to let mourning be a good teacher. And I, and I, again, I am absolutely no expert on this, but I'll tell you right now, I wish... If I was ever going to do anything that had to do with pastoral care or anything, it would be around grief. It would be around helping people walk through their grief in a good way as opposed to a bad way. Yeah. You know, as you know, I have a good friend whose wife passed away when they were very young with three young kids. And I was not the best of friends with this person. But I remember sort of I had a good friend saying, like, run to people that are grieving and you're going to go through this process. And it's and it's going to be it's going to make your life better. And it has certainly made my life a gazillion times better to be in the grief with him. It kind of like radically changed my life. Grief, which is the epitome of what he's saying today. Death, life, it's all a part of a pattern. The other thing I'd say is I feel like we've all take the red pill. Like we're living in the matrix. Like when you were saying about eat, we're eating healthy, we're working out, we're going to work, blah, 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 and you just get on the treadmill and you don't stop and go like, oh, I got to unplug and live in the real life, not the matrix life. And I feel like that, that movie has so much importance if you just let it kind of seep in a little bit. Well, and that's one of the reasons why I've become more and more firm in my belief that social media is bad. It's bad for Ugh. us, and it's not. I know I, I, it's an old saw mantra of mine, but because it doesn't allow us to have realness. We can get on there, and we could pontificate, or we can get in arguments with people, but it's not real. It's, it's no. all fake, but it makes us feel something that's not real, and it's unhealthy. And I'm, I'm thinking to myself, like, man, people need to say, instead of getting, like, this, this lady at this meeting, get mad at these things, how about you get to know some of the people in your community? How about you go and tend to your neighbors? Join a, a local club in your town. Maybe, uh, you know, uh, go to work planting trees. Do something that's going to connect you to the folks around you as opposed to connecting to these other people that are angry and sad and miserable online so that you go and make a fool of yourself on national television, right, as a, as a complete buffoon. It's just so sad. It's just so broken, and you want this for them. So, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I do feel like they're on to something when we talk about we are at the end. We are closer to the end than the beginning. I'm reading this great book called Homo Sapiens. It's by this uh, Israeli professor. It's really awesome. Bestseller. Blah, blah, blah. He, he's always talking about the foragers, the original foragers that lived like 200,000 years ago. Most of the, And you think, like, oh, those guys, people have people life. But, man, if they left the cave, there's a great chance they're going to get eaten by the bear or the tiger right, right. or the dinosaur. Like they, if <laughs> I got to go out and breathe the air, a good chance I could eat. And they realize the fragility of life, which is something I feel like we have just kind of missed in the matrix. Well, and it's funny you bring that up, but I mean, if you think about the cave paintings of Lascaux, France, and, and these different cave paintings, even a hundred thousand years ago, these hunter gatherer people recognize the importance of death. They recognize yeah. the importance of grieving and memory and all this stuff. And so like, and they were far more, I mean, they talk about being in tune with your neighbor. Their Ooh. neighbor was the difference between life and death. 
Yeah. Right? So I, I think that there's something to be said about that. I'm not saying we should all go back to a paleolithic lifestyle, <laughs> you know, as those people that take the paleolithic diet that we know. But I do think that there's something to be learned from that simpler life for sure. And and the simpler life is the subconscious brain, which is 95% of our brain, which is the animal part that just keeps our lungs breathing and the blood pumping. Those people in the paleolithic era were more animal than people. And they just could, they were in tune with everything around them, which is something, once again, that we've lost as well. Absolutely. Well, Larry, once again, you've taught me much. Hopefully you've taught me about how to be a better griever. <laughs>